welcome to Geek Space Nine, the Tuscan Shed podcast where we discover and or rediscover the classic Star Trek series, Deep Space Nine. With me today, as always, is Sarah. Hi, everyone. And Peter. What's up, guys? And today we are talking about Season 1, Episode 15 and 16, which is Progress and If Wishes Were Horses. So first up is Progress. In this episode, we get uh, a dual storyline, like we've gotten a few times. The main story, the A story, is that uh, Kira uh, is told to go basically shuttle off a farmer who's on a moon that they're going to be tapping for a valuable resource, but the tapping of said moon will cause horrible noxious gases that will kill everyone on the planet. Everyone evacuates but this one farmer. Kira goes up there to meet this guy named of Mullabach. They sort of, uh, she goes there initially to think just to get him off the land immediately, but ends up staying there uh, several days, maybe in a week or so, as she learns to really respect this man who escaped the Cardassians and built this place on their own, and they kind of uh, are both fighters who've, who've had to scrounge out everything they've ever earned. So she appreciates and kind of loves this guy, but eventually she realizes she has to do her duty and she sort of darkly burns down his village and, uh, and settles him off the island in a very interesting sort of turn of her her side picking, which is very interesting. And, and the more fun storyline in the B-plot we get sort of a, a Zelda Orchard of Time trading game with uh, Jake and Nog. Uh, Nog discovers that uh, his dumb father, Rom, uh, accidentally bought too much Yamak sauce, a disgusting sauce that only Cardassians like. I mean, no more Cardassians around, it's useless. So Nog trades that for a pair, a bunch of self-sealing stem bolts, which I say Very important that times. they're self-sealing. They're self-sealing. Yeah. You can't build houses without bolts, as Nog says later. And then they sell that for uh, a bunch of land on Bajor, and then sell that for what they want initially, which is five pieces of gold-pressed latinum to Quark. And so kind of humorously, they end up selling Quark what he wanted to get rid of for free. So, uh, very clever, very fun little part, as well as a very interesting dark so I guess we'll start there. Was it like tonally? Do you feel it was uh, uh, all right? I think so. I think that it provided, um, or the Nog and Jake storyline provided much needed comic relief for the significantly darker uh, Kira storyline. Yeah, um, because, I, I mean, you, obviously we wanted the Kira storyline to turn out well, and even at, at the end, even though Mullabach, you know, does end up alive and everything, it's still. You know, she burns down his home so that she can take him to a place he hasn't been to in 40 years. And um, I don't know, it was, it was kind of weird that they ended on that note, I thought. Deep Space Nine has been doing a lot of abrupt endings in their show. And it literally just ended with, I'm going to burn down your house and take you away from everything you know. Bye. <laughs> right. There was uh, another episode. I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it was past prologue, right? Ended as well with Akira sort of dark Kira moment where the the person basically calls her a traitor or something like that I believe is the last line we mentioned oh, that, yeah. mm-hmm. that I was that thinking episode. of that episode well, yeah we mentioned that that a similar way of ending very abruptly and on a Kira moment as well and I feel like this season has been a lot about 
Kira's transition from this Bajoran resistance fighter to being the man, essentially being a person who has to make these hard, painful decisions that she can't have everything she wants. She can't be a resistance fighter and build a better Bajoran through bureaucracy and peace and compromise. You know, that you have to sometimes I mean, burn down someone's house, you know, to get them to move. I mean and, I mean in that in that sense I think I think it certainly speaks to speaks to the season as a whole like like not like not just Kira but the space sta- but the space station itself um the space station itself and and the and the Bajoran the Bajoran people switching from 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 fighting fighting against the Cardassians and 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 and, want, and wanting them to leave to to now be to now being free and and working alongside the um work, 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 working alongside the the the, the federation like like Akira Kira has had so has had several moments like again past prologue that we said in in, the, in this in this episode uh, progress, um in, in the in the in the episode in the episode when when they had to leave uh when they, when they had to leave uh, Opaka Opaka on that on that moon, yeah. um so like she she um she herself but then but then I feel the Bajorans as a whole have 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 had have had to like had have had to have like this ongoing gradual realization that things are that things are changing that 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 some that sometimes you know like you said it it, it can't it can't be the way, it can't be the way it was and tough decisions have to be made and sometimes and and sometimes you have to you have to make that abrupt switch in your head and say, and and realize this is where i am now and i'm sorry but that's just it like these 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 are the cards that we've been dealt and i can't and i can't change that no i, I definitely agree with that there there's something very uh tragic about that and and this is sort of i felt like an even better episode than the kayapaka one which kind of just briefly mentioned her her warlikeness and letting that pain go this was sort of her i think more interestingly that that bajoran's sense of 50 years i think of occupation of, of yeah i think it was 50 striving beyond all measure and as he says like this is my life this is my home i don't exist beyond this point you know what i mean you're never going to convince me to leave here, it's not a place. It's not. A, it's it's a, more than that. It's my entire identity. Everything here is built because you know he literally plowed the earth with his hands. Right. Yeah. Right? As he, as he told her. Uh, and whether that's tall tales or not, it's it's the idea of uh, complete uh, enraptured into a place. You know what I mean? And you can't yeah, like, just take that away from yeah, from people. Re- and yeah, I think really making something from nothing. Yeah, and, and with and with you say, with you saying that, and 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 then and and us talking about how about how abrupt the ending was, I I I feel I feel that I, I feel that the reason Kira did this that that she that she did that is 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 because of how much she connected with 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 Mullab, with Mullabak over the course of this episode and and her and her 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 her, her progression to to moving past uh, the 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 Cardassian occupation, she. Uh, she connected with him. She she connected with Malabak that much, and she and she knew exactly. She knew exactly where he was coming from, so so she so she was able to more personally than than any than any of the main crew um, re- relate relate to his, relate to his struggle, relate to relate to his argument. But she, but she but she also realized that 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 she, that you know in order to move on, you, that in order to move on, you kind of have to figuratively and quite literally just burn shit to the ground and move past it right i mean it's a very challenging interesting scene because of that reason he doesn't fight back you know he's not screaming at her he kind of understands what she's doing but he just has to look in awe of what she's become 
I really like the way they play that a lot. Um, the actor who plays it is uh, Brian Keith, who's actually uh, nostalgically uh, the dad from the original Parent Trap movie. And so he has this sort of warm fatherly figure that he's been playing for 40, 50 years, you know. And uh, he does a great job in this episode conveying this idea of a person who would keep you there. You know what I mean? We can all see ourselves meeting this guy and finding him annoying at first and stubborn and pigheadish, but just uh, deeply human, well, deeply majoring, a <laughs> uh, person who uh, has a lot of history and a lot of wealth and a lot of knowledge of, of spirit that you just yeah. want to be around. And it yeah, breaks some- your heart that you have to do something so horrible to him. Yeah, there's some, there's something very char- there was something very charming about about Malabach that that even though you re- that even though you were like please just go with Kira like the, there was still that kind of like that that want to like just kind of hear him talk. Definitely, and I, I actually did quite enjoy the uh, the knock and uh, and Jake storyline as well. I guess maybe because I I do like trading stories, I find those very fascinating. People who can turn things from one thing to another. There's famously a story of a guy who turned, like, a pen, I think, into a house. Huh. Sort of like, uh, and he went through all these trading things, and I find that skill very interesting. So it was just sort of funny to me, the the way that they built everything, and I like the little moment where they have O'Brien in, they're like, the stem bolts, right? And he's like, I don't know what the fuck they are. And they're like, oh. <laughs> we thought you might. And then being clever, like, oh, it's sold back to the guy. And like, I like the, again, the twist that uh, Cork ends up paying for the thing he didn't even want in the first place, essentially. Like, the yamak sauce that he didn't even want ended up costing him down the line for various reasons. I was like, that's very clever. And there was a very nice moment there at the end in their last scene where, you know, Nog makes him the offer, and you can just see the look on his face. He's like, not sure if I should be annoyed or impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I think he was more impressed. Because, I, mean, I mean, I mean, like, I mean, look, looking, looking back at the episode, uh, the, 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 the Nagus, with, with how, with how impressed he was with Rom for like, for like actual, for like almost getting away with like, like his plot to kill him. Um, I, I, I feel I feel that I feel that he had that that he had the same thought uh, about about Nog. It's like it's like you went to all this trouble and you are actually like following through and getting and getting shit done. Like I, I think he was very impressed by that because it's because it's very it, it, it's it's very Ferengi. Mm-hmm. No, totally, and, and you could tell he he was impressed that that he's in this position now. By the way, I looked up uh, Gold Press Latinum, which I, uh, they keep mentioning it, so I was curious about it. Yeah, uh, it's like, like like every other episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically what it is is Latinum is a liquid metal that uh, cannot be replicated, which is why it is valuable. Oh. It's pressed into gold because gold can be replicated, so in the future gold is worthless because mm. you can just make gold. Nice. So it is pressed into Latinum. But you can also have liquid latinum, which is like a ton of latinum and like super expensive. But like mm-hmm. small amounts of latinum are pressed into gold bars. That's why yeah. I say gold pressed latinum. And also, it being a solid would make it significantly more portable. Exactly. Uh, which is, exactly. you know, makes sense for a currency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was like, I was curious why they keep mentioning it. I was like, that's mm. a smart idea. And that the, obviously, currency is based on things that are valuable you post value under currency and the idea that you put it onto a thing that can't be replicated makes a lot of sense yeah 
Which is another interesting point because I remember um, in one of the films, I don't even remember if it was uh, Captain Kirk or Captain Picard who said it, but they mentioned that um, the, the Federation or just Earth in general in the 24th century has moved on from something, you know, from things like money and they do everything, you know, sort of for the good of the planet or for the good of intelligent life or whatever it is. But really, people are still dealing uh, not even just with trade but with currency. And I wonder, I don't know, what the connection between that and the aforementioned ideals would be. I feel like it's a transition in general from the, the Gene Roddenberry era to the uh, Rick Berman, who was a mm. producer from here on until mm. until the Abrams films uh, era. Is do, there's a great documentary called Chaos on the Bridge that was done by William Shatner. It's a little cheesy, but it's it's interesting. It's about the formation of the Next Generation series, and basically Gene Roddenberry was like, no conflicts. I don't want any conflicts between any of the crew. Like we're in the future. It's utopia. Oh, it never yeah. fights. It's only plot focus, and a lot of people hate those first two seasons, including myself, because they are very dull. There's not like there isn't a personal conflict, and yeah, no, after no he con- died, no between humans because of right from that exactly, it's more like what's the plot? What's the monster? What's the thing we got to fix? You know, right. we all work together to fix it. Um, but as after he died, it was like okay, we can have people fight just because we are a unified front. Doesn't mean there are issues that we have to deal with constantly and different morals and ideologies that conflict with each other um and exactly. i personally i mean uh, the they show are, got better yeah i mean uh despite the fact that they live in this quote utopian society or at least a significantly more morally inv- advanced society than that in which we live today they are still for lack of a better word human i mean obviously they're not all human you have klingons and betazoids and so forth But, you know, everyone will still have their own sort of morals and code of ethics, and those will differ from place to place, whether that's, you know, um, Vulcan and Earth, or even just different places on Earth, different age groups. People are still going to know and think and believe different things. So it's natural that some level of conflict would arise. The fact that it wasn't present in those first two seasons just really took away something from the show. No, definitely, and I think that that goes to the currency angle too. In that, um, there, what I like is that you know the the reason they say that there is no more money is that replicators, replicators basically created peace because we could replicate anything we ever wanted. Got it. But I think what the show kind of shows is like, well, people still do want money and wealth, and people there are things you can't replicate like land and property and certain things that you do need money for eventually. Yeah, even, so I even, think the show got away from that. Like, eh, there yeah, are even, still even things. There, even if there isn't currency, there there is there is there is still the desire, the 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 desire, the need, or the want for some kind of bartering system. Exactly, and to assign wealth to things, and to right. assign value to things, and, and there's always going to be that need to. Uh, it's a nice idea to go beyond that, but there's always going to be a need to say this object has value, therefore it needs to be protected over this object or needs yeah, to be yeah. enforced legally and all that. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree with, yeah, I think that's why they started doing the Latinum thing in this series. It's like, okay, we can have money again. You know, we can, I feel like it's their way of being like, we can have money and trade and things like that again. And it does make it a little bit more relatable to the audience because obviously we still operate in currency. So it's, you know, something else 
you know, that makes sense to us to have in the show. Right, exactly, to have a a thing that you have to do. And I like the idea of a non-replicable thing. It's like, well, okay, there are limits. You know, it's not a perfect system 100%. There are a few things that just cannot be replicated that are still rare and, and commoditized, but they're different. They're not gold, like we said. They're Yeah, I'm glad ideas. they they put some thought into that of, you know, well, in this future society that has replicators, what could we use as currency? What would be valuable? And that's nice to know. I'm glad you looked that up. That's <laughs> uh, my Wikipedia thing. I was I was realizing my obsession is Wikipedia. <laughs> I just <laughs> I like I love the conciseness of Wikipedia info dumping into my brain. Like it's just <laughs> like it's very I appreciate that people out there are, are doing all this work for yes. me. Like I went on a thing uh, we'll talk about in the next episode where I was like what does baseball and Star Trek mean? And I had to read yeah. all about it and I went down a rabbit hole. It's just too easy. I mean, <laughs> I, mean it's, I also spoil myself, that's the problem. <laughs> I mean I mean it's I mean it's like you it's like YouTube when you, when you when you start when you start clicking on next video next video or like or on Wikipedia like you you're like hmm like this is like this is hyperlinked let's go let's go through you're eventually going to like you're you're eventually going to like look 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 up and be like it's been 2 hours what am mm-hmm. I doing <laughs> but I've learned a lot like yeah I've I've absorbed so much knowledge exactly it's like this one has like a uh, Cardassian occupation of Bajor I'm like oh no I got to read that I'm gonna read that one. <laughs> like, hmm, Sounds particularly interesting. But then you know I'm gonna read like a spoiler, like you know, Bajor was recaptured. No, oh! you know, like that's not one I've read. Don't worry, it's not an actual spoiler. <laughs> I just made something up. But mm-hmm. like, you know, that's my problem. Is eventually I read something too far. I'm like, damn it, I never learned. <laughs> so so yeah, a big big shout out and a thank you to all the Wikipedia editors out there, oh, whether yes. that's Wikipedia proper or Memory Alpha or Bulbapedia or. Yeah whatever we appreciate you, you we use those websites yeah you keep up the good work you do it's such crazy. a great service to like all, all, to such great service to, to any fandom that exists thank you dearly from uh, from us and like the rest of the fans that exist thank you so and, much and yeah because the percentage of people who contribute to the percentage of people who read is like crazy mm-hmm. you look at some yeah. of these times and maybe not with star trek was tons of people but like Certain ones, you see, like, there's, there's like, you look at the names, like, that person does 90% of the work on the site, and you're like, yeah. damn, that person doesn't get paid. Yeah, and you're, you're our heroes, so thank you very yeah. much, Wikipedia. They're, they're, they're doing it only because they, because they love a certain thing just that much more than we do. It's true, it's true. Well, we got a, we're a little off the rails, but in a good way. Is there much else to say about this episode? Well, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd like to come back to the Kira storyline for just a second. I guess talking about, sort of tying in with the money thing or just the development of the Federation in general. I am um, I was a little bit surprised or maybe this was just a Bajoran thing, I don't know, but I was a little bit surprised that they were being so forceful with evacuating this these people even when like Kira and uh, the guy in charge discussed this and she's like, "Well, there's a better safer way to extract these minerals or why don't we just do that because we won't have to displace the guy in the you know the the other gentleman she was speaking to just straight up said that would take too long. It's like, well, right, interesting. why? Wow. Um, when when did the Federation become, dare I say it, like an oil conglomerate that would just you know, it's like, well, this is the quickest, right. fastest way to get the most out of uh, out of what we want. And yeah, it's going to destroy the moon, and we have to get everyone out of there. But we're going to get the stuff that we need, and I appreciate that it's going to benefit a lot of Bajorans. That's great, hooray. But, I mean, 
displacement of people is a bad thing. Why? Right, right. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, it's the idea of progress too. I mean, it's it's this is why the title is very smart in that way. Yes. A lot of times in a bombed out, terrible, depressed city, you kind of have to ruin everything to kind of get progress back up. And I, this is not the same thing, but there was an interesting article, a podcast I was listening to about Rwanda, and basically after the Rwanda genocide, so many men had died or arrested or were kicked out of the country that there were so many women in charge. And it's now like one of the most uh, matriarchal societies in terms of like women in power. It's a sort of weird thing where like this huge balance came from a terrible, terrible thing. Like, you know that Nirvana would rather just not have had that happen, but the results are very fascinating. And I think that's sort of a similar thing here. It's like it's a horrible thing that happened on Bajor. But it's also a chance for Bajor to become a better society than maybe was before from the rubble. But because of that, you have to go through, like, ruining people's lives in another part of the world. Or another moon, rather. And so I do think you're right, Sarah. That conflict is very interesting where it's like, yeah, we could take our time, but we need to rebuild now. You know, mm. we got to start now. Like, we can't wait anymore. Yeah. And I think that's... Uh, a very tricky subject for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's it's also tricky that despite the fact that Mullabach said, you know, I'm willing to die here. Like, just go. I know the consequences. I don't care. I'd rather die here than live an extra 20 years on Bajor. But she took him anyway. It's like his, his life was more important than what he wanted. And that, that just becomes right. an ethical question in and of itself. And, you know, did she do the right thing? And yes, she did, but who was it right for? And I don't know. It was sort of no, that's murky, great... which is a good thing about Star Trek. It does that well. No, that's a great question. I thought of um, hurricanes. You know, like when, when people say, I, I will never leave my home. I don't care if I die in the house. What do you do mm-hmm. at that point? You know, and it, it, it does get to an interesting, tough thing you know it's like ultimately she can't be responsible for this man's death you know but mm-hmm. she has to basically kill what he is like it's it's very you said murky in that way complex star trek issues yeah <laughs> that's why we yeah. watch this show exactly very much and as well as uh, jokes about self-stealing self-sealing stumbles yeah. <laughs> it's like a mouth uh it's a self be a new sally sells she shells Yes. She sells seashells by the seashore. Tongue, uh, tongue twister. <laughs> Self-sealing stem bolts. That's just like a uh, uh, actor exercise to get yes. <laughs> get your words in order. Yes, actually. Proper cup of coffee that. pot. <laughs> we, should, we should we should say self-sealing stem bolts or like or something like that before we start recording these. <laughs> self-sealing <laughs> stem bolts. Maybe, maybe maybe that'll stop my stuttering. <laughs> oh, I was oh, going to say, is, it is was this? pretty interesting that she built oh. the kiln and then destroyed it. Oh, I thought that was yeah. a really yeah, powerful sure. image. That was a really uh, another shocking of, kind another of moment. of symbolism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like she like, okay, you have no more excuse, and then I destroy it. It's like, woo, like, that's intense Like to have someone build. It's like building your house and then blowing it up. It's like, whoa, it's dark. <laughs> mm-hmm. This, this really doesn't have anything to do with either of the plots, but um, I feel like we should talk about the fact that Morn asked Dax out on a date. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, unfortunately, we didn't get to see this actually happen, 
But at the yes, beginning in the runabout, we have Kira and Dax talking about it, and she's she said no, but she does make the comment of, you know, the the seven or eight hairs on Morn's forehead make him kind of cute, and you're just like, <laughs> that's sweet, but okay, Dax. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that Dax thinks beyond uh, humanoid uh, uh, attractiveness. I agree. She sees into all all kinds of different ways to find someone attractive. Mm. Warren might be the hottest guy in his uh, race. We don't know. Could be. We don't know how they view. He's just the only one there, you know. So we don't know. He might be. Uh, he might be the George Clooney of his uh, of his species. Oh goodness. <laughs> <laughs> But I enjoyed he? that. He's yeah. a Lurian. Okay, I'm falling into the, the Wikipedia black hole. No! <laughs> Don't go too deep, Sarah. Save yourself. Then you're going to be like, Morn led the attack. No! <laughs> <laughs> what? He's way more important than I ever thought. All right, so shall we move on to the next episode? Yes, yeah, let's go ahead. All right, so the next episode, uh, a little bit lighter, was uh, If Wishes Were Horses. Sort of, I felt like a somewhat spiritual. Turns out not to be, but it's, it felt like some of the classic holodecks gone awry episodes of the TNG era. Um, so in this episode, we see that uh, everyone is uh, experiencing the things that they want. Uh, Jake likes to go to a hollow suite uh, to play baseball with an old baseball player from the last season of baseball. As we learn, Julian is still trying his best to uh, get with. Jedzia, the best he can. It's just not working. And uh, Chief O'Brien is reading the story of Rumpelstiltskin to his daughter, when suddenly Rumpelstiltskin appears, as does a very horned-up Jedzia who wants to jump Julian right away, and a uh, baseball player made incarnate. Uh, and we get to interact with these people for a while, see what they are. Eventually we learn that these are actually a race of creatures, shape-shifting creatures, I guess, or perhaps more mind-bending creatures. It's not really made clear, but they're basically creatures who wanted to learn about the the inhabitants of the uh, Deep Space Nine by making their wildest dreams come true and seeing what they do with that. Uh, So yes, what do we think of this episode? It was interesting. I'll say that. It was a curious episode. It was. It it had good character moments. I think that's the plot is pretty, whatever. But it had good character (laughs) little moments, which Mm. I appreciated. And I appreciated the emus running around. (laughs) Yeah. Odo trying to squirrel around emus is Mm. very funny. Odo just couldn't. When he went in and was like, nobody imagine anything. <laughs> it's just mm. like classic Odo. And then he like has the beautiful wait. moment of imagining Quark in the brig. <laughs> 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 yes. He's like, that's what I mean. Yeah, there was yeah. this nice little like character moments is what made this episode fun. Like when He's Quark like, I, has his like beautiful I ladies. I have an imagination. And then all of a sudden Odo's like, it. Sorry, what did you say? And it's like he, that was Odo. That was Odo's moment to basically be like, "I have an imagination. I just choose to not use it because it makes no sense to me." <laughs> Odo is very logical, but he still would love to see Quark in the brig once and for all. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I like the little moment where Quark had his his little ladies with him, and then 
he's all happy, and then Oda goes, you know, all your customers are getting what they want, as in winning every time. <laughs> he's like, no! <laughs> I I enjoyed those moments. And, you know, it's like nice little things, like you learn that... Uh, classic nerd fashion uh baseball's extinct <laughs> it's like right people got tired of baseball okay um but i thought it was still kind of neat it was kind of a cool idea that you like uh, a guy who was the best baseball player ever who was japanese i thought it was a cool little uh, um twist that was neat um but uh the best baseball player ever but no one cares because baseball was uh, going out of fashion, it was just the last ever baseball World Series. So it's like, well, it's kind of interesting idea of like uh, being the best at something when it wasn't popular at all, and like no one really appreciated you till later. So that was kind of neat, but it was that was the whole thing. It was like these character moments, but it was all kind of jumbled. Yeah, yeah. I will say that um, the actress who plays Jazia Zax is. When she wants to be sexual, she's very attractive. Oh, I was so bad surprised. Oh, right, man. That switch, like, when it happened, I was like, dude, what's going on? She, she looked like she was having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love the cattiness between uh, real Dax and fake Dax. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Imaginary Dax is like, well, maybe you shouldn't be such a cold fish. <laughs> she's like, excuse me. It's like, I'm sorry. Do you want to repeat? She's like, I don't think that. I don't think that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, like, it was a is... classic sort of um i don't want to be like okay i'd be a little bit sexist <laughs> it's a classic sort of like I, I feel more female-centric move where it was like where she had the great like oh no it's fine i it, you know everyone has their fantasies it's fine mm. so you want me to be like submissive? So submissive yeah <laughs> I, I like how she's how she asked it was like damn dax going for the kill like, <laughs> Maybe she's like no is... no no Maybe this is bad of me, but I really like to see Julian uncomfortable. <laughs> he's he, he very, does he, it so well. I think you, could, I think you, Sarah, compared him to a uh, um, guy Baltar, and they both do totally have that uh, squirmy, uncomfortable in their own skin thing they do so well. Maybe it's a British thing. <laughs> Maybe just, <laughs> when when you're stuck and just don't want to be there at any point. It's like, can I leave now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I quite enjoy that. Uh, I'm glad they brought back the baseball thing with um, uh, oh good Cisco. <laughs> I forgot his name. Uh, I, I quite enjoyed his whole interaction with the baseball player and uh, their whole storyline. I found pretty charming. Yeah. With yeah. Nothing too exciting. Also, Rumpelstiltskin played by I'll uh, get his name right. Michael J. Anderson from one of my favorite shows of all time, Carnival. He's a uh, freaking great actor who's been in tons of stuff a lot of a uh, david uh lynch stuff twin peaks and uh maholland drive he's an awesome actor so that just made me happy to see him so yeah it was uh interesting episode i also like that the um the way to defeat the giant space explosion was uh that he had to convince everyone not to believe in it that everything was feeding into it and he had to basically say there is no thing and we never saw that it's a that sort of weird logic that uh, the nightmare on elm street movies always occupy mm. and rely on yeah it, it, it was it was kind of it was kind of like it was kind of the the flip the the not the flip side it it reminded it reminded me of um of um the store of the storyteller um like how like how how the how how in that in that episode 
the fear of the villagers was was creating the monster that would appear that would appear for five nights. So, 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 so in this so in this episode, it was so it was it was it was Dax's imagination that that that, cre that created that created the, the the danger to the space station, but. But we but we got but we got Cisco basically saying what I wish could have been said to the villagers. It's like, guys, everything's all right. It's not there. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. It was just an, it was an interesting comparison for me. I was like, oh, that's what this is like. Only only instead, you know, everything's gonna just stop. Like stop. It was like, oh, never mind. We're cool. We're cool. Right. <laughs> I feel like Cisco lets too many things go. He seems very angry at first on things, and then it's just like someone explains, and he's like, "All right, fine." He's he's got to get he's got to get more mad at these creatures who keep messing with him all day. And the poor guy gets put into games, and he gets like and then his gets mad at the station overrun person. with weird like <laughs> imaginary creatures. Like uh, he's got to get he's got to get a handle on this stuff. It's like, dude, come on, your anger is misplaced. <laughs> you gotta get more mad, man. I don't know what else. I guess there's not much to say on this episode. Huh? <laughs> They're kind of quiet on this one over yeah, the other one. It 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 was an interesting and fun like like little. I guess I I, I guess we can consider it like, like more of a filler episode. Yeah, it felt that way. It felt like just a bit of a like I said, it reminded me of the TNG holodecks gone awry episodes, like the one where Moriarty escapes from the holodeck and oh, yeah. causes shenanigans and stuff like that. You know, like. Uh, Remind me a little bit of that, where it's like eh, a bunch of interesting, kind of fun character moments, but nothing all that substantial or interesting to talk about. Another great, uh, again with the with the character moments, another great exchange between Odo and Quark. The very beginning, uh, Quark is like, "Well, you know, I could program a little shapeshifter playmate for you and with a hall of the sweets." And Odo says, "You're disgusting," and you know, walks away. And Quark just kind of <laughs> grins and goes, "Till the day I die." He's like, "Yes, I know. I'm happy about it." <laughs> he had some really graphic way of describing it, like you can meld together or uh, squish oh. together. So I was like, "Oh, <laughs> please stop, Quark! No." <laughs> uh, Quark never get never gets tired of messing with poor Odo. I think he thrives off of it. Mm -hmm. I, 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 oh, totally. I, 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 on, I honestly, th I honestly think they, th they, they, th they thrive off of like just, of just annoying, of, of annoying each other, which, which, which is, which is why Quark isn't actually in jail at this point, because, because, because Odo, because Odo's like, you know, you, like, Odo's like, you know what, your bar actually serves a purpose, and Quark is like, you keep me on my toes. Totally. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think they, 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 they have a love hate relationship with each other mostly hate <laughs> <laughs> just a smidge of love just yeah, a little yeah. tiny saffron-ish sprinkling but it matters it's still there and we know the slash fixing exists we've discovered it yes <laughs> that was the I've not best read it, but it is there i'm sorry sarah that was there. the best little bit of confirmation ever like yes let's not discuss this move on mm -hmm. <laughs> I just like to think also when O'Brien saw Rumpelstiltskin, he's like, "Of course, of course, this happens again." It's like it and to be me. a normal day. It's like and to me of all people. <laughs> By the way, there's a great uh, comic book called like O'Brien on the Bridge or something, and it's basically just about like how sad O'Brien's life is on TNG, where he just sits in the hall in the transporter room all day Aww. and never gets to Aww. do anything. It's so adorable and sad. I love it. I highly recommend it. 
I would have liked to read it. So, yeah, I think that's... There's not much else to say on this one. Is there much else to say? I don't think no, so. I think we covered just about everything. Yeah, it's pretty pretty alright episode. So, next up, we will have The Forsaken, which will see the return. Well, I guess the premiere of Deep Space Nine premiere of Luxana Troy. Hooray! So I'm very excited. So happy. Yeah. So happy. And then uh, Dramatis Personae. So those will be our two episodes we'll talk about next week. So, in the meantime, I want to thank Peter and Sarah, as always. Our theme song is by Captain Meat Shield. You can check them out on Twitter at CPTN underscore Meat Shield. We are a part of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can see more of our shows at TuscanShed.com. If you like the show, like, subscribe, rate, and review it any way that you can. It does help us find new listeners. And until next time, this is the crew of Geek Space Nine signing off. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye.